0: And welcome to episode 169 of Fun with Cars for our first and very special post season podcast with the one and only Jamie Price. But I'm Robin
1: Warner. And I am Jim Lau. And as you said, we have a very special guest this time out. Uh, it's been a little while since we've spoken to you, but welcome to the show, Jamie Price, F1 photographer.
2: Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Good to be here.
1: Yeah, you've Jim, been. Don't don't say a trite like that. Pronounce it with some elegance,
0: with some culture. It's a Fuan photographer,
2: okay? <laughs> Fuan, and I, stop, I shop at Tarjay. Remember?
0: Yes, yes. Only hey. the only the finest Target stores for our Fuan photographer. Yes.
1: Yeah, so last time we spoke to you, if I recall, uh, you had just come back like hours ago from the Monaco Grand Prix, and you were washing all your clothes to get the champagne out of them. Uh, yes. And as yes. I understand now, you are just like moments ago back from Abu Dhabi, is that right?
2: Yes, yes. Cleaning off, all the,
0: cleaning off all the rose water this time, maybe.
2: I didn't get any rose water on me. I actually didn't even make it back for um, Park for May. Like, barely. I barely made the podium, but um, no rose water this time, thankfully.
1: <laughs> so, as double points for the final round, did you get uh, double paycheck as well for, for taking part in that race?
2: You know, I should talk to my employers about that because I'm not sure that I do. Man, well, maybe you should offer uh, double, double the
0: megs, double the file size for every double photo. the,
2: double the, double the bad pictures <laughs> for everybody.
1: Yes, yes, exactly right.
2: They got all, they got all the out of focus ones that no one ever sees.
1: Yeah, really. You probably take what thousands of photos, and then you know only a really a, sort of a dozens get uh, get put out to the real world, right?
2: Yeah. Um, like maybe 100 per day to the real world but uh sunday is usually the lightest day and i took um like 1800 i guess on sunday
0: wow yeah oh, god you're no. like documenting documenting uh
2: what it was like to tie your shoe I mean I don't understand well, well you end up you end up documenting cuz the 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 F1 drivers F1 is a tough sport to shoot because it's not just cars on track but you have to shoot the lifestyle stuff and you have to shoot the paddock um and one of the the least favorite things that we all have to do is is shoot the drivers walking through the the turnstiles in the morning as they walk into the track. And because they never we never see them outside at all, you never see them hanging out with sponsors, just talking to each other. You never get these kind of pictures. So the only time we see them is when they're walking into the paddock and to their hospitality in the morning. And uh, you end up just motor driving it as they walk towards you. And it's really exciting stuff. I tell you, I have some great pictures of Lewis Hamilton picking stuff out of his ear and Jensen Button, you know, playing with his hair and looking off. And, (laughs) you know, there's there was one guy that was we were all about to kill on, I guess, Friday morning who. Had um, every single driver. I think the the least number of pictures he had drivers sign was six pictures. I think everyone everyone else was between between like six and eight pictures that he had signing. So, you know this this random VIP dude was having drivers sign pictures, which he was then clearly going to go sell on eBay. So, so he so,
1: was just that guy by every just, definition of the word. Just
2: that guy, and I was ready to kill him.
1: Because you're just getting, messing up all your driver every, pictures. You're just every single
2: there. picture. I think I have more pictures wow. of him than I do drivers.
1: <laughs> so what else? So, so Abu Dhabi is freshest in your mind. So we'll start there uh, because you're just back moments ago from that, uh, from that event. So um, what I guess what sticks out at you uh, in terms of that compared to the other races you've been to? Because you've been to a handful since, since we even last spoke to you. Um, is there anything yeah. particular interesting about uh, Abu Dhabi or the Yas Marina circuit that uh, you want to share with us?
2: I, I did actually really enjoy the, the weekend. It was a lot of fun. Um, I think the, the thing that stuck out was, I mean, this is really my first full year covering any appreciable amount of races. Um, 2013, I did three races in 2012. I did one mm. and this year I've done nine. Wow. So it was a, it was just a a little under half the season, I guess, you know, technically there was 19 races this season and I did nine. So technically I would have had to do another half race to be at half season. Um, But I did, I did really enjoy it. And it was my first time covering uh, a true championship um, run by any driver. So it was, it was, you know, it was cool to to be there and experience that, Um, you know, that's, that's once in a lifetime type stuff. And not many people ever get to say that they've, you know been there and done that in you know the media center in the paddock and you know been in the scrum to get pictures of lewis or any driver being hoisted on their team's shoulders and you know just actually watch the whole thing unfold um and i've been there from the first test this season when we first heard the v6s and watched them around the track to the last race of the season so it's been a really cool year it's been fun
1: was this your first time to the racetrack at abu dhabi
2: It is. And I really enjoyed it. It's, it's a very different racetrack in the daytime than it is at night. Um, you know, sunset was, we, we had three sunset sessions technically. So you had FP two because FP one is run during the day. Um, it was a one o'clock session. So it's more or less useless for us as pictures go because, you know, nobody's going to need pictures of the cars for a night race running at one in the afternoon. Hmm. Um, so it's pretty frustrating from that sense why they do that, and Singapore does the same thing they have a they have a daytime session which is just really infuriating um, but you know so it, it was really enjoyable. I really did like the track um it's as far as herman tilka circuits go it 's not the worst one by far, and it 's not the best one either yeah. but I did enjoy it a lot it was you know it's a great it's the middle east i've 've never been to um, i've been through and i've stopped over on flights, but i've never gotten off the plane and left the airport and experienced it and i i did enjoy it it's it's a it's an interesting culture and um it's a lot of sand and a lot of sun and the weather was beautiful actually there was it felt like florida and in the winter time it was 70 degrees and low humidity and lots of sun
1: yeah the only time i was in the middle east was in dubai in january uh, and it was lovely, really. I mean, it actually got cool at night, which you don't think yeah. of, you know, the Middle East is like yeah, really getting cool. But yeah, I mean, the sun goes down, it, uh, it can do, but yeah, well, I mean, it's, the, kind, of, the it's pic-
2: kind of cool because we have this, those sessions are in the afternoon generally, except for Friday, which you start at one yeah. o'clock. Um, and generally our aim is to be at the track two hours before the first session, cause, which is when you generally anticipate the drivers starting to arrive, mm-hmm. um, with the exception of Kimi Räikkönen, who showed up forty minutes less than forty minutes before FP3 started, I walked past his parking spot and he was still not there. Um, <laughs> forty minutes before FP3, so he was cutting it a little close. But generally, we try and arrive two hours before. So, a um, couple of the mornings we got to sit by the pool and enjoy, uh, you know, just and relax and enjoy the the atmosphere and the sun and and the pool at our hotel before we went into work.
0: Wow. So what 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 was the mood like? I mean, obviously, there was a lot of buildup to this is going to be the deciding race. And then, of course, there was the added controversy of double points and uh, uh, how this was all going to play out. What was the real world atmosphere like?
2: Um, it was exciting. It, we were, I, I hang out with a lot of the journalists. Um, I have a good group of friends that are photographers and journalists from various nationalities, British, Belgian, um, Brazilian, Austrian, you know, it's, it, it's a, and British, like lots of Brits, honestly. Um, that's probably the biggest contingent, but you know, it was, it was exciting. Like, I don't think that the double points really played into it at all on the ground because it, I don't think that it was going to change much at the end of the day. Um, You know, I don't know. It, It didn't really, it just didn't really feel like it had as big of an effect, but nobody wanted it to be what decided the title, but it didn't, you know, it was, it was still cool to have Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton being the ones at the end of the day. You know, it's good that we didn't have a complete blowout like Vettel did last year, where nobody was even close at the end of the the year. But it was it was still really exciting to get to the end of that race, and um, you know, or more or less the beginning of the race before it really started unfolding (laughs) but yeah it was it was a good weekend it was a good atmosphere and and everybody was really excited we were all kind of like who's gonna win it who's your money on who do you want to win it who do you like better why you know whose personality do you like dealing with more who do you like watching on track and what was that
0: spread i mean you know jim and i both felt pretty strongly that it that it was going to be hamilton and we proved right but what what were what was your circle saying
2: I think everybody was more or less in the Hamilton camp. Um it's not to say that that Rosberg isn't a a good driver. I just think he's he's just not he doesn't do anything for me. He as a as a driver, he has no personality. When you're taking pictures of him, he just he's very bland. Um I've heard in from people that know him that he's very charismatic and funny and and just a good guy but it doesn't come across in pictures it doesn't come across in in press conferences and media you know it's just he's just kind of bland whereas you know hamilton's almost the complete polar opposite where he one day he can just be so moody and temperamental and then the next day he's flying on you know cloud nine uh, he's he's a little bit he's a little bit more of a of a character to deal with. Um but there's good sides and bad sides to that. But I think everybody was in the Hamilton camp as far as I'm concerned.
0: And and that includes yourself then, Jamie?
2: Yeah, I'm I've thought Hamilton's had this locked up for a long time. I thought I thought it since I don't know, Monza really. Yeah, uh, yeah. Once once you saw
0: so you're thinking it more of like the emotional level. That, yeah, he uh, just he
2: just was walking all over Rosberg all year, yeah. in my opinion.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So I got the sense from some of the teams, um, you know, it's it's funny because Mercedes already had the constructors' championship locked up, and then it was either Lewis or Nico. But as far as a team is concerned, either way they win. You know, yeah. It's like obviously uh, there's there's people rooting for Lewis, people rooting for Nico. But the fact that if they if they did come one two, which of course seemed very likely before Rosberg's whole uh, whole massive car failure. Um, you know either way it's like one two either direction uh lewis would still take the championship so even like a win for Rosberg wouldn't necessarily be a you know would be the end of the world for hamilton because it's hey something no. for each person to be happy about hamilton we're... would still have more wins and all that um,
2: that was that was what we were concerned about as as media and photographers that this was just going to be another horrifically boring race where it was a Mercedes one, two, and it didn't matter which, which order they came in. Even if Hamilton was second, he'd still win. Exactly right. That he could drive. And that's been the story of these V six engines and the fuel regs and, and the engine regs is you, you drive within such a limit. You, you're never on the limit. You're, you're well below it. And you know, if Hamilton's smart, he didn't have to drive anywhere near that limit. Right right um, which well, which is I, not exciting stuff.
0: I don't think it's funny you say that. I don't think it's a matter of being smart or not. It's just it's just impulse. I don't think Hamilton it, I think it would be genuinely hard for the man to honestly slow down and just go as fast as he had to. Yeah. I mean, he just it's just not in him,
2: you know what I mean? No, but but he did back off a good a good bit during the race. Yeah. Did he? Or like what the first the first stint he was he was just kind of just letting it get around more than anything because he, he knew once once Rosberg had his issue and was going backward, there wasn't any reason to push the car to the limit because what if it had the same problem?
0: Right, right, right exactly.
1: Right. So I got the sense, so Mercedes was sort of already in a happy place um, and then, you know, I guess they, certainly the, the Rosberg side of the garage were concerned about Rosberg's issues when that came up, but, um, but a lot of the other teams, it seems like it was like almost kind of biting their time to the end. I mean, Vettel, was sort of, you know, finishing his time at Red Bull in advance of moving to Ferrari. Obviously, Alonso mm. finishing, his, finishing his time at Ferrari. So there must have been some bittersweet moments. But especially, like, for, for Lotus, like when Grosjean's car burned up, um, and, we you know, we famously saw on TV on our coverage, I don't know if you've even seen this yet, but they, they cut to the shot, and it looked like the Lotus guys were laughing. Um, and they weren't actually <laughs> laughing at the car on fire. Apparently what happened, and someone tweeted about this from the Lotus garage, was someone's like, yeah, I just screw it man let that thing burn down and like everyone was re- laughing at that <laughs> and basically this the whole sentiment of like what a terrible year for those guys and i'm sure salver yeah. would have been in that same camp i mean catering yeah. worked so hard to get here with the crowdfunding and all this nonsense whatever but i feel like for a lot of people did did it feel that way at all of some of these guys just kind of like this you know senior year last week of school like all right screw it man this this is this is going to be over and done and let's just get away from these things and, and go back to vacation or was it, it um it anything did. like that
2: yeah, it did feel a little bit like that. I don't know. I I think the the press conference, the driver's press conference on Thursday for starters was one of the best of the year. It was just it was a great atmosphere and um we were all laughing out loud when when somebody asked Alonzo whether he'd like to have Button as his teammate. It was just and Button is there was some, right
1: there next to him. That was hilarious. Yeah, there
2: was there were some great moments and um, there was another good moment with Vettel when the there was a journalist that nobody's really seen or heard from in the paddock before right it and it was on really one-off.
0: broken English wasn't it
2: It was really broken English and yeah. it was the longest question in the history of questions and you know like what what didn't what you didn't hear is that um Vettel's response to it. And I don't, I haven't seen the clip of Vettel's response. I've just heard the question, which is just absurdly long, but Vettel's answer to the question was even better. Um, I, I and,
0: did hear the response. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: And it was like something about monkeys and, you know, like Bernie Eccleston. And <laughs> it was, it was good. And it was a great oh driver's you know press what? conference. I didn't hear that, Jamie. I'm lying.
0: I, I heard, I heard Vettel's quip. So we, it was this long, drown out question, which didn't make any sense uh well barely made sense and Vettel said can you repeat the question
2: yeah and no but but Vettel, Vettel but then Vettel elaborated um and because the question was about whether there's too many buttons on the steering wheel and um there, there was something else but basically the the paraphrase version of what Vettel said was you know it depends, it depends on the kind of monkey and what kind of monkey you want in the car. And it it was, you'll have to, I I don't know if it's available on the internet, but it was a good answer. And Vettel's, Vettel's one of my favorite drivers to, to be around and listen to because he's, he's just so quick and witty and he's so funny. You can, he can always make you laugh. Uh, He's a good, he's a good personality in that sense. Whereas that's why I really don't, Care for Rosberg that much because he doesn't he doesn't do anything for me as a person and a personality in in the sport. He just he's just kind of there. He's fast, but he's not he's not that exciting to watch in a car, um, and he's definitely not that exciting to listen to in a press conference. Which sure. you know we all have to sit in these press conferences, and some of them have just been horrendously boring. And you know you just get <laughs> softball questions, and they'll just kind of lob it back at you, and you know. T- 15 minutes of your life gone and you'll never get it back. Whereas <laughs> we were all, we were all happy to listen to that. Press. We could have gone on forever in that press conference. Cause it was, it was great humor and you had Alonzo who's clearly moving on from Ferrari and Vettel's replacing him. And um, you had Hamilton and Rosberg kind of, Quietly jabbing at each other in the back, and then there's Nico Hulkenberg who had no questions being thrown at him, and he's just the the silent character in the just back. Just sitting there, and, yeah. <laughs> That's um, yeah, and then you know, Button's always good for for a good question right. too. He's
0: Button's well spoken, isn't he?
2: Yeah, yeah. I would. I'm going to be really sad if he doesn't have a drive next year because I think yeah. he's one. He's a good guy. He's a Me good. Too. He's one of the good guys.
0: Me too, Jim. That's right, Jim. I'm, dude, I'm not firing him. What are you talking about? It's <laughs> not up to me. Jim Lau wants desperately for Kevin Magnuson to beat Jensen Button up in a in a public parking lot.
2: <laughs> wow. Well, I, th- I, that's that's ha- I think question. Kevin Magnuson comes a close second to Nico Rosberg for having the least personality in the paddock. So well, I'm I mean, against he's that young to, He's young enough to, uh,
0: you know, still have time to grow into one at least, you know. But yeah. all right so what what was you know probably over uh, drawn out but what was it like in real world what was the tension like between Joe and Lou and Lewis was it real yeah, and it how was real. so and what was that like
2: it was very real um, I don't know I, I honestly don't know how much of an actual moment it was but so, I was shooting the before the press conference began. Um, Hamilton and Rossberg had a, a little photo setup where uh, the two of them would stand and shake hands and smile for the cameras. And there's, you know, thirty photographers in there firing flashes and taking, you know, a couple thousand pictures each. Yeah, it's like
1: a presidential summit or
2: something, right? It's like one yeah. of these
1: photo op handshake things.
2: Yeah, and so they brought them in and um, and. I honestly haven't seen the picture anywhere else, but afterward a, a journalist came up to me and the photographers that I was working with. And they said, and this guy said, um, did, did you see that? Did anybody catch that awkward moment with Hamilton and Rosberg before they shook hands? And I'm like, no, but I mean, maybe I shot it. Like I was in there and maybe I got a picture of it. And he was like, yeah, Hamilton just kind of, looked like he snubbed Rossberg and wasn't going to shake his hand. And so I went back in my original like pictures folder, like before the stuff that I'd chosen and sent to our editor. Um, So I, I looked through the original take and saw this one frame where like, Rosberg has his hands stretched out toward Hamilton and Hamilton's just looking at it like, What do you want me to do with this? I'm not gonna shake your hand. You're you are the enemy. It, it was a real it's a real moment, but I don't know how much of a genuine moment it was, whether it was just you know, just caught him off guard and he was looking down at Rosberg's hand like, Oh yeah, I need to shake your hand and and then we'll take this picture. But it was very real tension and they they barely looked at each other all weekend. Um, Hamilton's answers in the press conference were very, very, very short and abrupt. And he didn't smile and he just, you know, Hamilton, how are you going to approach this weekend? I'm going to approach it like any other. And, and it was such, such kind of, it, that's, that's where the kind of moody Hamilton came out, but not in a cool, calm, collected sense. It was just, I don't know. He just seemed like in a, in a little bit of a weird mood on Thursday. Hmm. And, um, i honestly felt like rossberg had a better mental attitude on thursday and then when friday came around and hamilton just dominated everybody in practice um it it's he seemed to pick up his his personality a little bit more but the tension was very very real that wasn't manufactured
1: yeah that's interesting because uh you know i saw that picture that you posted and uh it looked like um it ran in a uh, newspaper as well didn't it
2: yeah it was in the um the i guess it was the london times or um times of london yeah. or something yeah. One of those. yeah yeah
1: so well congratulations which, which for that because that's kind of cool, yeah that's right? fantastic man
2: Thanks. Wow. Whether they pay me or not is another story. So oh, be, man. Be doing well.
1: Well, if we need to, if we need to call for any boycotts of newspapers, just let us know and we'll get the word <laughs> yeah, out right.
0: to, our, to all the your. I will you know, stop reading Zell. whatever you ask.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, it it was it was you know, it's always good to capture stuff like that because it is it does tell the story and it was they they were very um at war. They were definitely at war with each other.
1: Yeah, and it must have been a, a different atmosphere as well having it uh, be the two rivals of the same team you know we've obviously seen rivalries and we've seen championships go down to the end of the season and all that but it's almost always um different different constructors behind them right different teams uh so to have it be this a guy that you know you've worked this closely with and then that that makes the photo op i think all the much more awkward because like you've probably already seen they've probably already seen each other that day they've been probably had some meetings or debriefs or whatever obviously they do sponsor stuff and all the usual things and then it's like after all this, and they're, you know, they they still have their own, you know, opinions about what's going on, and they're both trying to do their own things to prepare and all that. And then it's like, all right, we got to do this photo thing. You know, you can kind of imagine how that that tension would be a little bit more so than just simply like, you know, if it were if it was a you know Ferrari versus a Red Bull guy or whatever, and it's you know just different teams. They haven't, you know, they don't work together, not so much coworkers. And then they show up in this press conference, and it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to make a big deal out of this. So I can imagine that adding to uh, you know sort of Lewis's disdain for the whole process of the press conference yeah, or whatever but and
2: but you know credit to Mercedes they really did handle the whole thing pretty well and and I can't imagine from a PR perspective what it was like to juggle these two who you know you don't have a number 1 driver and you've let them truly go at it and it's that's really impressive from a from the team's perspective to to let these guys actually truly race each other all year and from day 1 to the very end where you have them, you know, two guys that are not just racers, but they were friends too. And they may still be friends. We don't know how good friends, but they were genuinely good friends before they were teammates and, and championship contenders. Yeah, But you could see yeah. that you could see that kind of, that they aren't friends now. It, it, I would never talk To my friend the way that they were talking to each other in public um wow
0: wow that's that's what because that's it's funny because it's exactly what i was going to bring up is we know there's a lot of it they were like genuinely friends um in their karting career and earlier in racing and you could even see it in uh in their relationship in the 2013 season way more respectfully to each other, and uh, a lot more complimentary of each other and wanting to Even work. Even the beginning together. of this season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so well, it I sounds mean, I like wonder, that really soured.
1: Although I wonder now that it's over, I mean, it's not like Rosberg is immediately going to be like, hey, cool, yeah, let's be buddies again. But, you know, that they're, they're out of the pressure cooker to some extent. If, if they'll go back to... Something a more normal relationship And you know I guess I don't know that any of us Specifically know I mean Jamie obviously you you have the most Experience uh, of any experience um, In terms of seeing them in public together And whatever uh, of the three of us You have the most experience in that you have some experience Right Um, But you know, because the, they've talked about it over the years, I think some of it may be a bit of a media story about, oh, childhood buddies and whatever. And there's obviously there's pictures of them carting back and forth and whatever. But I'm sure I could find a picture of Robin carting with someone who he doesn't even remember now. Um, and so, you know, like how much of that is really, oh, yeah, they were friends. Because there's been some interviews where Lewis is like, well, yeah, we I've, I've been aware of him for a long time. But I wouldn't, you know, we've never like, you know, had Christmas together or like really hung out. And, and you know, it's like, yeah, of course, we know each other and we've, we, we go back. But it's not like it's a, you know, close friendship. And then sometimes you hear these stories where like, oh, yeah, they've been, you know, they've been hanging out since forever and, you know, they go way back. So you wonder how much of that is trying to, you know, tell the story. But what I think is interesting um, is how much of this that we as as normal fans, especially here in the U.S., um, don't even get to see about the personalities and stuff. I mean, there's select few, you know, ads that have various drivers in them and almost all of those are terrible. that actually have a driver, you know, with Sebastian Vettel and these Infinity ads driving a sport utility vehicle that oh, has nothing God. to do with anything with the Red Bull team and stuff like that. But, like, you know, you get, I feel like at least, in, you know, the, the access in the rest of the world, there's there's something. But, you know, for you to be in these, you know, the press conferences, I guess there's still press conferences, but, you know, just to see the drivers around and how they're interacting with each other and see who has a personality and who doesn't, because a lot of it's, these drivers, we would have no way of knowing who's got a personality, who's actually cool or not.
2: If only all these fans knew what I know about the drivers. There, you know, there would be a lot of people that would feel very differently about their their favorite driver if they knew how they treated the media and photographers and the each little other. People of the and, world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll give us an so, example.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna say I want <laughs> one good and one bad.
2: Could Ooh. be
1: could be a former driver as well. You know, if you've got anything great from last year or whatever, it's like.
2: Um. I. I. I think Ferrari as a team and Alonso as a, as a person are very hard to deal with. I'm, I'm not a big fan. I'm, you know, I used to be, when I was a fan fan, when I would get up at 3am to watch Malaysia and, you know, I thought the sport was exciting and, and it was fun to, to watch it. Um, It was. I was a big Alonso fan, but now that I've had to work around Ferrari and Alonso as a person, it's much harder. It's much harder to see that. I've kind of, as one of my um, friends said this weekend, I've seen how sausage is made. Yeah. Oh (laughs) wow. Yeah, it's you. It kind of loses a little bit of its glamour, um, and you you stop putting these people on a pedestal. You know. Yes, Alonzo's a two-time world champion, but he can also be a a bit of an an a-hole. So especially when you're working with people that have to take his picture and, and do media stories and this, that, and the other and be around him, it's not easy and... I don't know ferrari too it's it's not easy to work around them as a team on the good side i think vettel you know vettel's got a lot of haters out there he's one of the easiest guys to work with in my experience and he's also always got you laughing um and just to compare apples to apples ferrari and alonso have the most enormous screens that they put down on the cars um for practice sessions when the driver's sitting in the car i mean honestly i'm i'm sitting in front of a I guess, a 24-inch um, Mac screen right now, and it's probably every inch as big as as Alonzo's screen that they dropped down in front of his car, which means that we can't get pictures of them. There's no reason that they should have it that big or at all. Um, I mean, if they're going to ban tire warmers in the future, I, I say they ban TV screens in front of the drivers too because <laughs> it just it just there's no reason for it. They, they don't need to watch the session. They don't need to, they can see telemetry on an iPad. And it's, it's just
0: what you're saying is you're, you're suspicious of the, the monitors having ulterior motives
2: to just block the drivers. Yeah. It just, it just blocks the drivers. Whereas honestly, I don't remember Vettel having a, a screen in front of him ever. And I may be wrong about that, but I don't, I don't, He's he and Red Bull in general. There's there you never see screens. You never see screens. Ever. The, I I've shot the pit lane multiple times this year and and they always you always have a clear shot at their at their eyes, you have a clear shot at their helmet. The only time I've ever been blocked by anything was when they put the disgusting, ugly fake Red Bull cans which were just filled with water or Gatorade or something in it and um they dropped those in front of the on the like right in front of the um, steering wheel just
1: yeah product placement. product placement so yeah. it'll be interesting though because of course uh you'll have Vettel at Ferrari next year yes exactly so you'll right. see how much of that is Vettel and how much of that is Ferrari you know and especially Alonso at another team um I if,
2: think I think that it's the team I yeah. I think that Red Bull because Red Bull and I know for a fact on this one as well Red Bull asked their their team photographer how they could make their garage better for photos, and they actually have lights that are that are color balanced to you know proper white balance. When so when we're working with a camera, you use white balance, which can which can change the color of the picture. So you go from purple to really warm. Um, they they actually color balanced the lights in the garage to be perfect color for anybody that takes a picture in there, and they're really bright. Whereas Mercedes has by far and away the worst colors of anybody it's it's (laughs) horrific it is dark and dingy and and it's purple like it's tungsten it's true tungsten lights whereas red bull actually have color balanced lights in their garage and they actually care about photography
1: yeah and i mean red bull you get the sense that they are closer to a media company it's a media that, company. That's know, exactly what it is. Than anything else, like Mercedes obviously is a car company, and in a way they may approach this as a very engineering thing and say, "Well, what are the bo- most either you know efficient lights that are the bright we can get? We can get our work done with these lights." And they're not thinking about, or I'm mean, somebody may be thinking about it, but not clearly as much as saying, "Hey, well, what's actually going to look good?" Because part of the point of being here is getting our brand out in front of everyone, so we want to do that well. Um, but even
2: to your eye, it's really dark in Mercedes. Oh it's, well, that doesn't very... seem right. <laughs> that's no, what the hell's it's... going
1: on in Mercedes? <laughs>
2: I don't know. Well, maybe,
0: maybe Mercedes is just saying they got to save money somehow. It's like, well, <laughs> turn turn
2: off the lights All when right, we're well, not the here. the lights
1: low. We're kind of on this rat hole of, uh, of of color balance for the moment, but while while we're white balance, but, um, but but while it, we're but
2: there, I mean, back back to the point though, is is there's teams that are easy to work with and right. teams that aren't, and and if if fans knew what I know about drivers and teams and working with those teams and drivers as people and and specific teams like details about the teams there would be a lot of different opinions i mean like i said Vettel has a lot of haters but he's a really good guy to work around
1: yeah that's that's interesting now in the press conferences how is the lighting in there are those are those bad because i feel like on tv we see people and they look like they have like weird kind of you know yellowy faces and stuff i don't know if that's just because they got out of a hot race car and they look weird or like if the lighting is just really screwball in there is that something that you're aware of
2: no, they do a pretty good job with lighting it. It's pretty bright in there, and and they do, like, shine a lot of lights on the driver's faces. So if, if it looks kind of screwball-y, it's because the drivers are hot. So and they are actually ask, weird colors. When, then. when you ask a driver to get out of the car after qualifying and, you know, they've exerted a lot of energy, nobody looks good.
1: Sure. All right. Well, fair enough. I, uh, you know, <laughs> that's, uh, that's fair enough. So, yeah, I guess I'd be curious when... Um, Alonzo is no longer at Ferrari if some of these things happen, you know, some of them are just his personality or how he fits in with another team because, um, you have to assume, you know, it seems like he, you know, he's got this beard going now. He looks a lot less villainous and a little more, I don't know, whatever, um, But uh, and and I think you know sniff petrol or somebody online was just being like I think he's just doing that to piss off Ron Dennis basically to sort of (laughs) to start somewhere it's like okay Ron like this is how this is gonna be like let's let's start the arguments now I don't
2: I don't know if you saw on on Twitter today but the latest rumor going around the Abu Dhabi test paddock is that he's not in F one at all he's actually in that third Porsche which Porsche just announced for Le Mans
1: yeah because I was thinking about that um, that. We've, because uh, it, Weber
2: is a really good friend of his, yeah, really it's, good it's friend been of his.
1: Officially announced that Vettel's at Ferrari, and yep. I don't think it's officially. I mean, McLaren hasn't officially confirmed anything.
2: They so, aren't going to do anything until early December, right. and and it is very, it is a very real possibility that Kevin Magnuson and Jensen Button stay teammates, and Alonzo leaves the sport f- at least for a year, but maybe might be for good.
0: Yeah, and really. Now I thought it was much more like okay. It, we it's it for they made a promise because of Ferrari dealing with contracts and stuff to keep their mouths shut for a little while, but yes, Alonso's going to McLaren. I thought that was more or less that. Well, I think reported. I,
1: I think we got we as an everyone got a little bit sort of confused or intentionally misdirected by. You know the rumors and the Vettel stuff and all that about well, what's being talked about, what's being announced, and what's what we're being coy about. But that the Vettel stuff was like, oh hey, let's get you know Alonzo out of his contract, um, as was you know uh, you know part of the whole deal with with Marco Mariachi and all that, which is that's another story we can talk about. But uh, but that you know, and I think they're sort of happy to have all these rumors swirling around, and you know until they announce anything, they don't really want to say one way or the other. Alonzo has been very you know very clever about what he responds to and what he hasn't, uh, you know, like even, you know, the questions in the press conference about who his teammate and all that, you know, he's, he's, he seems to have, you know, from our side of anyway, doesn't, but it there's, seems like a there's, reaction. There's
2: so many, there's so many innuendos. I mean, if you really sit down and listen to the press conferences and, and what's said, um, you really can pick up a lot. And, and I, I don't know if it, if much was made of it, but somebody asked Alonzo, whether his his next year's ride was one that he believed in and one that he felt was a a strong package and a winning package and i don't i don't know that mclaren can promise him that even with honda you know you're bringing in a new engine manufacturer that has no test time other than a filming day
1: and they're, they're going to be testing tomorrow but that's only limited yeah. running
2: and all that and, yeah and and, and on, i don't I, we we know that Ron Dennis isn't a big Alonzo fan. They left on very bad terms. And the rumor is is that if he's signed for McLaren, it's not with McLaren. It's with Honda. Right? And McLaren was like, you know, okay, well, like... This since, is where it has to go. Uh, yes, this is where it has to go. If you're going to drive the Honda, you have to be in the McLaren chassis powered by the Honda. But I don't... It, there's a lot of different permutations of this that could happen and and i don't see that you know I, I don't know it it could go a lot of different ways but i'm not ruling out i mean there alonso doesn't you know do anything without knowing what kind of statement it's going to make and when he showed up in bahrain for the world endurance championship he knew the message that he was sending he knew what he was doing he doesn't he didn't just show up just like oh i'm just going to walk in there and nobody's going to notice he knew what he was doing, and he's good friends with Weber, and everybody knows that he doesn't have a super strong relationship with Ron Dennis. And so if he's going to McLaren, I don't think that it's on amazing terms. I think he he's kind of out of options. I mean, he's not going to be at Red Bull. Right. So. It's really
0: fascinating because, you know, Jamie, Jim and I had this conversation during the last podcast, and that's the point I brought up. I said, look, you know, the last time Alonzo was with McLaren, it cost $100 million, yep. plus the fact that they, they were kicked out of the championship. But, God,
2: I don't know. For me, it seemed like the writing was on the wall. Yes, he's going to McLaren. If the writing was on the wall, I think we'd know it. And and he keeps saying there's there's little things that he says that in press conferences and, and in press clippings where, you know, w- there was one that he said a couple weeks ago where he, um, the quote was that his his move was not the obvious one or the one that, that was, you know, every, the one everyone was thinking about. And the only one that anyone's been thinking about is to McLaren. And until recently, until today, until those that really thought hard about, like, what are his real options – that was it was McLaren or nothing or stay at Ferrari or, you know, there was a rumor going around that um, maybe he would stay within the Ferrari family and drive for the Squadra Corsa team in World Endurance Championship in the Ferrari 458. So which that would
1: be such a big step down for Alonzo. I mean, a, you know, a prototype car is one thing, but it seems like, you know, going uh, yeah, to a GT would be, uh, would be a, a pretty big step sideways if not if not down
2: but at least he stays in the Ferrari family and then there's always the rumor that's been going for 10 years now that Ferrari's going to field a an LMP1 team and if and you know he just stays within the team until that comes around because he doesn't want to I mean that's that's no longer going to happen now but right. you know the the Porsche thing is absolutely still within the realm of possibilities and there's we we just don't know no there's very few people that know and I think he's he and probably Ron Dennis are the only two that actually know what is actually going to happen here. But I, I'm not ruling it out. I, I would hate to see him leave the sport, but you know, there's not many options left.
1: Although I have to say, Jamie, I've heard he's not easy to work with, so maybe. <laughs> I'm sure he's, You know, as a, I know from,
2: I know photographers in in the sport that say he's not easy to work with. So we'll.
0: <laughs> but you know, it's fascinating you said that because you know I've heard from. You know a few of the drivers and the team owners. They say, you know, you, th- you think you know these photographers, but man, I've I've been <laughs> with them, and I tell you, they are they're different all, they're people. <laughs>
2: pre-Madonna's.
0: <laughs> no, that I mean that's really fascinating because uh, you know I was always kind of like, eh, it's probably McLaren we're overblowing it, but then at the same time I was like, I don't understand it because to me, for me, both Kevin Magnuson and Jensen Button, regardless of personalities, they're both. Strong drivers and strong drivers in different ways. So I was like, I don't see the point. Alonso's a big, big, big name and he's good, obviously. But I thought there was enough bad blood. But Jim made the really solid point that's like, look, it's been a long time since that happened and has McLaren wants to win. So I was like, yeah, okay, I can see it. So it's just kind of amazing that you're like, oh no, it's not as, it's not as a for sure thing as uh, people think it is now. So. It's kind of amazing. I don't
2: think it is, but we don't have to talk about it anymore. We'll we'll see soon enough. It's what December? It's November twenty fourth. when they say early December that we'll know?
1: Yeah, right. For exactly. all we know, the but you know, five minutes after we stop recording, there's going to be an announcement, <laughs> and then we're going to all sound like fools because it's going to be like, oh, clearly he drives for Toyota now, and I'm like, wow. Don't Jim, Jim. as I, actually, as I have I to have it, tell you many times,
0: I will sound like the biggest fool. Do not worry about it,
2: Jim. Jim, I can assure you, I have I have heard from a source which I shall not name. He is not driving for Toyota okay so <laughs> you, can, you can rule that one out yeah <laughs> yes jamie
0: from the source yeah uh, so okay listen uh thank you so much for giving us that kind of those insights about abu dhabi it's just it, it it's kind of it was an amazing story just for the real tension and the real things that were going on but also kind of like the silly season nonsensical things that were going on, and the fabricated things like
2: you know you double points, you could argue that kind of stuff the the silly season for this year has been the best thing that anybody in Formula One could have hoped for because other than that it's been a it's been a pretty boring year other than the fact that we had a along or uh, Rossberg and Hamilton ish fighting it out at the end but we all knew who was going to be the leader at the end of the day in my yeah
0: opinion. well it in it was it was strong enough to keep us going certainly and uh so we appreciate that but um uh moving forward I just you know you were you were at a bunch of races that uh we would all love to go uh italy singapore russia U.S., but Russia's really the one that I want to hear about. Brand new, Sochi, right on the Black Sea, right on the cusp of the Olympic Games being held, and then right after the biggest tragic events Formula One's had in 20 years.
2: Yeah, no, it was was a really strange weekend um, because of Jules, and I didn't know him that well, uh, but I did work enough with Marussia that I know the team pretty well, and I know how the team act. And um, it was it was a hard time for the sport. And uh, you know, I think one of the hardest the hardest days that any of us has, has had this year, or in a long time, was the Thursday press conference. Just Thursday, in general, in Russia, when everybody kind of shows up less than a week after um, Japan's. Yeah, it'd been it, it was really, really soon on the heels of this accident, and I've I've never seen the drivers as emotional and just kind of contained within themselves. And and I, Massa and Button especially were were close to tears in the Thursday press conference. I'm not so sure that they both weren't crying a Massa had his hands up in front of his face like kind of over kind of in a in a fist um and was leaning on his forehead the whole time even answering questions I I don't think I got a picture of his eyes once but you could see that his eyes were a a lot and almost looked like he had a cold or or allergies because his eyes were watering whether he was actually crying or not was another story but um, it yeah it was really hard to watch and listen to listen to them answer questions because these are guys that you know it 's a close a family and they they all know each other and they 're all competitors and and they all know what each other goes through and you know what it 's like to drive an f one car and then when you have one of them so seriously hurt in a tragic accident like that it it really takes it out of them so it was a hard day for for the drivers and and as a result it was a hard day for the media that have to deal with these drivers and know the drivers on some level, shape or form. Um yeah, it was hard.
1: Yeah, I mean certainly Massa would be um obviously, you know, very personally affected with having his whole brain injury and recovery and all that. And then, you know, Button being the most experienced driver in the field has has been through uh you know, certainly, you know, been through just more races and, you know, ups and downs and, and so on. But um, that, you know, you, you wonder that I guess some of the younger guys, I mean, and, you, know, count, you know, Jules Bianchi among them um, that, you know, I guess it's a cliche to say, you know, everyone thinks they're invincible or whatever. But it always does bring it home into the very real risks. So, you know, to see because we don't get coverage of the press conferences and certainly on American TV, as you know, um, yeah. you know, maybe some of those sometimes you can get videos online. But as you know, FOM is so restrictive about videos and stuff that you know, we see, you see a text transcript of, like, oh, here's what was said. Oh, you know, Jensen Button thinks that, you know, this race is going to be tough or whatever. But, you know, we don't nearly get the kind of, you know, just the vibe of, like, was it weird? Was everybody cool about it? I mean, we, we, did, yeah. we definitely saw, you know, F1 drivers somber about, you know, Bianchi incident or whatever. But um, to really kind of get, you know, who's really... You know, really, just really, you know, taking mean, who it's hitting hard, I guess, and who it's not.
2: I I love a Thursday of a Grand Prix weekend is one of my favorite days. I, I and and I'm not just saying this, but Sunday is probably my least favorite day. Hmm. Um, Thursday is is one of my favorite days. I think Friday is probably my favorite day of all of them. But I, I really enjoy Thursday because you get a really good sense of of. How everybody's feeling about the weekend? Who's there? Who's not? Who's there mentally? Who's not? Um, and it's it's not so it pre- like such a pressurized, you know, container. It, you know, every, it's everybody's kind of a little bit more lighthearted, and I wish that everybody could really see and hear what happens in the press conferences because it's some of the best material all weekend, all year. I mean, honestly, like the the Abu Dhabi Thursday press conference. The, the drivers had everybody laughing out loud for the entire thing. It was really, really good fun. Yeah. Whereas conversely, Russia, we were all, I mean, it was one of the shortest of the year for starters, and it was also one of the most depressing, and and rightfully so. but it was really hard to sit through. Um, I don't think anybody, I don't think I got a picture of anybody smiling. It was all very, very somber.
1: Right. Because, you know, everyone wants to pay respect to the seriousness of the situation that's going on. But at the same time, like here, we're having this press conference. You know, I'm sure a lot of people would just be as happy to say, OK, you know, it's canceled. Screw it. We don't want to do it. But, yeah. you know, you kind of you have to be there. Everyone's trying to sort of make their way through it. But yeah, that's yeah. that's that's, that's got to be tough.
2: Yeah, it was. And But I back to to Robin's question about Russia. Yeah, it was I really it was an interesting place to go. And um, I'm very glad that I went and it sounds like I'm going again next year. Um, it is on right on the Black Sea, but it's, it's a strange place. It feels very fake. Um, it's very manufactured as a you know Putin, Putin loves that area of Russia. He's got a, a home or a, somewhere that he vacations um, in Sochi. However, the track is not in Sochi. It's in Adler, which uh, if you if you Google map Adler, there's nothing there. But there is nothing. There's an Olympic Park, and there's some empty buildings and a few bars, and that's it. Hmm. Um, so Sochi is about 40 minutes down the road on the coast, but Adler is where the, the racetrack and the Olympic Park are. Hmm. And so we were all kind of in the middle of nowhere, for a whole weekend. And as far as race venues go, it was one of the worst that anybody's ever been to. I think as a whole media paddock, we all hated being there because there's nothing to do after the race. Does that include
1: people that went to the Mokpo circuit in Korea?
2: They they love Mokpo. They really? loved it. Yeah. There was, the track was terrible, but the city was fun because you generally, there was two or three bars, so pretty much and, and when we go to an F1 race, you know, you're all traveling as a family. You get to know each other really well. I've made some really, really good friends, like lifelong friends that I will know and love forever. I had some of them come visit me in Charlotte before we went to Austin. We went to a Panthers game and we went hiking and we just had a great time. You make really good friends because you travel the world together and you're stuck in these places together. You know, you make the best of it. And when they were in Mokpo, I didn't ever get the chance to go to Mokpo, but they did love Because you have the entire paddock after the race or after a Friday or Saturday ends, everybody goes to the same bar and and has drinks together. So you have everybody that you know and love in one place. And it was just, it sounded like it was a lot of fun. Whereas in Russia, there was really nowhere to go. And the service is atrocious. I don't know if it's like this all over Russia. And hopefully one day I can be proven wrong. But you wait an hour or more for a beer or two hours or more for a hamburger. And it comes out cold and, Uh, and, and just the general, the hotels were terrible. The service was terrible. Um, you know, the, the weather was nice. The track was, I enjoyed shooting the track. I enjoyed the, the light at the track was amazing. It just seemed to be fantastic light all day long. The on track stuff was awesome as a race. It was pretty boring, but, the place, like Adler slash Sochi, as a place to go vacation could not have been any more boring. It should be an amazing place to vacation, but it was not.
1: Well, it sounds like if between now, this year, and next year, they can come up with, uh, you know, one company maybe makes two bars or one bar or whatever. Not too many bars so that everybody goes to the same place. Maybe, that maybe could we, be, you know, with some good service or whatever. On. It's like It sounds like the fundamentals are kind of there. Um, the fundamentals
2: are, are there... But I just don't know if, if the infrastructure to do it is there. I don't. I don't know if they care either. I mean, yeah. you, you have a you have a great you have what should be a great area of the world. I mean, the Black Sea is beautiful. Um, you know, there's a lot of shoreline, and I walked along it with a friend of mine. And you're walking along empty, deserted houses and hotels and slums, and there's no bars, there's no you know food cantinas. There. There's really nothing there. So as a wow. venue, Russia was one of the worst that anybody's ever been to. And nobody's really looking forward to going back there next year. We, all, The joke is that the day we left, we all put in our food orders for next year. So that next <laughs> year when we get there, it'll be ready for us and maybe hot by the time we get there. Nice. So yeah.
1: in, quickly in defense of the black sea, um, I've, I've spent some time in, uh, in Ukraine, right, right down the, down the coast there from you guys in Odessa and, uh, And over um, in some of the smaller towns along the sea there. And it's, you know, we had lovely service and cool spots and it was like a vibrant local economy. So I I think some of that may be just the way that, you know, the way that region fits into Russia um, and kind of how that uh you know how much how much that has to do with you know the way the economics have been treated in Russia and how much of that is actually just you know the black sea and the people around there so um you know yeah maybe they need to move the grand prix circuit uh over by 50 miles and then it'll be in Ukraine and maybe it's way better and the, the economics are different or whatever but i don't know maybe ukraine's i guess kind of screwed up now anyway so maybe that's not a good idea
2: well i'd be i think all of us were the thing the thing about Russia was that none of us felt like we were in Russia. It felt like we were in Disneyland. there's it's just kind of fake hotels and a and a new track. It didn't have any atmosphere. I will say I loved the Russian fans. I think that the Thursday driver autograph signing session was one of the best that I've ever been to hands down bar on any wow. series. It was awesome. The fans are really, really, really fun. Um they are really into it. I had no idea that F one was as big as it was in Russia. Um Vitaly Petrov was emceeing the autograph session. It was and I don't speak one word of Russian other than, you know, Nostrovia, which is cheers. Like for you know right. it, sure that's that's about it. And Vitaly Petrov You have was, to
0: know Nostrovia. You, yeah you like a good vodka.
2: Yeah, exactly, which I will never drink vodka again, just, you know, for the record. I've had way too much of it that weekend. (laughs) Um, So Bloody Marys and, you know, vodka cranberries, they're all done for me.
1: Um, Till next year when your order comes through.
2: No. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, it it just didn't – none of it felt like Russia. We could have been anywhere in the world and – I, we were all just wishing that it had been in Moscow or St. Petersburg or anywhere other than where we were. It just didn't feel like Russia.
1: Hmm. So speaking of uh, a place with some history and some culture, I think you were in Italy this year, were you not?
2: I was in Italy. And and that is a totally different one where it's it's great atmosphere and, and a great track. And, um, you know, what what else can you say about Monza? It just you could go on and on and on and on
1: great fans well, anyone too hungry of uh excited about getting any camera equipment in their hands or that...
2: <laughs> i did I, somebody was pretty excited about finding a new d4 and a and a lens off of my shoulder
1: yeah so yeah. that that all gets sorted out by the way you had you had some gear stolen but apparently you had enough stuff to keep going for the weekend or was this like a huge hardship for you
2: well i'll kind of back up a little bit um so this w I I had my equipment stolen on Sunday after the race um on during the podium. Yeah. So I I work with a team of photographers there was three of us at that race. um, No, four of us at that race. So we all have a different assignment. Somebody's shooting it from the pit lane side. Somebody's doing it from the track side. Somebody's doing it from, you know, up on the roof. There's a couple different places. And so once they kind of had it all covered, they said, Jamie, why don't you go down in with the fans and shoot it, you know, do something really artistic, um, just kind of get the atmosphere of it and and see what you get but i was warned be careful because there are pickpockets so take your watch off leave it in the press room lock it up um take your wallet don't take you know don't take your wallet out on track don't take your phone out on track don't take anything of value out on track and when you have when you're there with your cameras just be wary of of your surroundings and and your camera equipment just because they're they've been known to steal lenses off of cameras you know at the end of the day they're not that hard to get off they've been known to steal cameras you know it's it's just a bunch of you know italians that are thieving you know i I could say somebody somebody
1: one time realized like hey wait a minute these guys are walking around with some really expensive valuable stuff so if i could just grab that yeah
2: yeah, yeah, so I was I was warned, but there's only so much you can do. So I did leave my watch, I left my phone, I left my um, my wallet in the press room and locked it in my my camera bag with my passport. So if anybody was going to get that, they were going to have everything. That wasn't what I was worried about. I was I was worried about what I had on me, which was lenses around my waist and cameras around my neck. And so I was Felipe Massa um, came out and was spraying champagne on the crowd and, and Monza is such a great podium because it sits out over the track and you just have such a great atmosphere with the fans and the drivers interacting. Um, and, and you can just do so much with it. And I had a, a Nikon D four and a wide 14 to 24 millimeter lens, um, which is super wide. Like, so you're just, you just get everything around you. And then I had another camera with, which an IQ three, zoom lens. So it gets you a little bit closer And, um, I was shooting with that. Um, I was, I was taking a picture of Felipe spraying the crowd with with champagne and I, I kind of felt something. uh, I I, I felt my other camera, which was over my shoulder and around my neck. So it wasn't going to come off of my body without them doing something pretty drastic. And I felt that that camera, I felt my shoulder go light, like basically the weight come off of my shoulder. Yeah. And it was a split second. It was truly like, it was truly a split second. And as soon as I realized what had happened, I turned around ready to punch the ever loving crap out of whoever done it. Because I knew exactly what had happened. It just took half a second for me to realize it. I turned around and my camera was gone. And okay. it, and they, they work in teams of, of three to eight people or so. And so somebody knifed the camera off of my back, and as soon as I turned around to confront whoever had taken it, it was long gone. They had just passed it from one person to the next person to the next person, and I never saw it again. Um, And honestly, they could have taken the equipment. I didn't care I mean, of course I care, but what what I care about was the images on the camera that I'll never see again. And it was nice stuff. It was, it was stuff that I would have been really proud of to have. Um, It was very atmospheric. I mean, you're standing there underneath the podium with 40,000 Italian fans, you know, cheering for their favorite drivers. You know, Felipe was hugely popular. It was, it was cool stuff. And with the camera went the memory card inside of it and the The pictures, but in total, they stole about $7,000 worth of equipment, which is insured. Um, Thankfully, I have all I mean, I'm a professional photographer. Any professional of anything has their equipment insured. Um, So I was insured and, and, you know, it was covered, but it was a real, it was a real pain.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's Uh, obviously that's great because that could be a career ender for an amateur. So the fact that, you know, it, it became, uh, Obviously, an inconvenience, and you lost some images. But it sounds like it could have been a whole lot worse. So you haven't seen those yep. images show up anywhere or anything like that. Is there any way you can keep track of nope. that stuff?
2: No, haven't seen the images come up anywhere. I doubt that they ever would. But um, I'm sure that the memory card either got sold in a, a pawn shop or who knows or what something. at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and you know somebody has a nice new, a brand new Nikon D4 and a 14 to 24 millimeter lens somewhere. So. Yeah, Uh, it it was frustrating, but at the end of the day, it it could have been a lot worse. I could have been hurt in the process. Um, And to be honest with you, I don't know that I would do anything different. I don't know that I wouldn't go back down there and do it again if I had the chance.
1: Yeah, no, I was was curious, though. Do you get similar warnings about sort of pickpocketers or stuff like that at any other venues?
2: No, we used to get them in Spain a little bit. Um, The even in the press room, you need to be careful some countries are better than others, but I always lock my stuff when I'm in the press room. And, um, but I, I never felt, I've never felt like that I needed to watch my back as much as I did in Italy. And it's, and everybody has this problem. Somebody tried to walk off with a 500 millimeter lens. That's a $10,000 lens that they tried to pick up off the ground in front of the photographer. And it was one of the photographers I work with. He grabbed the guy and basically like was ready to throw a punch and said, if you pick it up, I'm going to drop you. And the guy just kind of in Italian said, I was just trying to help. And he was like, what are you trying to help? Just leave. Don't touch anything. Don't touch it. Don't touch me. Don't touch my equipment. Just leave. Don't don't be near us. You can't. You, right. When you're on that on edge with a piece of equipment that's that valuable, you don't You don't touch it. That And that's the biggest thing that I have with marshals or security guards or fans. Don't ever touch us or, or the camera equipment, because we don't know what you're trying to do. And it's, it's exceptionally valuable stuff that, you know, if it, if you knock us or touch us or push us or shove us and, and that happens to fall off my shoulder and hit the ground, it's on you. And I will I will seriously get up in your face and I don't care who it is. Marshal security guard, police officer, you know, some, one of the photographers this weekend had um, one of his cameras and lenses broken by a, a security guard and he confronted him and made him pay for it on the spot.
0: Wow. And this yep. is, this is coming from a man that tames horses. Let's not forget. So yep. you don't want to mess with this guy.
2: Yeah, um, no, it's, it's serious stuff though. It's, it's, you know, you really, it's, Career, not careers, but a weekend can be ruined, and therefore, potentially a career. Um, right, if, you know, sure. You come back, and there's, you know, what your employer is asking, why didn't you get the pictures? You, know, you can, you can say, yeah, I had my camera stolen, but they're like, well, why'd you, ha- why'd you put yourself in that position in the first place?
0: Right. You well, know, in in, in contrast, it's an interesting contrast. Uh, uh, Jim and I, when we go to the F one races and in these inner circles, we're we're very happy to be touched. Please feel free. Just uh... wait. Hold on.
2: You're going to edit so, that. So I now?
0: mean, uh, so anyway, uh, no, we no never edit, never edit. Robin's brilliance, especially this is. Jamie, this is postseason brilliance we're talking about here. It is free reign, and once uh, to touched <laughs> by everybody. No, so the uh, it is. I don't. I you know. It's just, dude. Honestly, such an amazing year you had. I mean, you didn't go to every race, but when you weren't going to the races you were just doing other amazing things and uh i just really i genuinely feel so honored that you could come and share these stories with us and i i just i appreciate it so much and
2: well, i love thank you it's been, it's been really fun i feel very very honored i mean i have this is, you know, kids grow up dreaming to be an astronaut and very few kids ever actually get to be an astronaut and walk in space. And my dream was to be a photographer and be a Formula One photographer. And, you know, I'm, I'm not there yet, but I've done a few races and I'm, I'm a lot closer than most people ever will be. So it's been it's been really, really exciting, fun, stressful, you know, pretty much every emotion um, that can be associated with work. I've had it and it's it's been awesome. I love it, and I don't know what's I don't know what's coming next year, but you know we'll see, and I'll I'll certainly keep you posted. There's potentially some exciting things, but you know we won't talk about those yet.
1: We gotta we gotta <laughs> wait to see you know who's driving for McLaren and how it all fits together before you can announce you know where you fit into the lineup. I guess exactly right, now that right. now
2: that I've publicly Jamie, told Jamie long, Price so. is the second driver at Caterham. Yeah, I, did, <laughs> Caterham. I didn't tell you I've got a I've got a super license.
1: Yeah. yeah. So
2: it's it's me and Will Stevens. Yeah. Nice. Hey man, nice. we,
1: we hadn't heard much about Will Stevens, but Jamie Price is the other the other big question mark. <laughs> so which is which is more engaging as just a photographer to shoot F1 cars or motorcycles?
2: I love motorcycles. I would honestly take motorcycles any day. Really? Yeah.
1: So because uh, we were yeah, follow- they, they only got two wheels.
0: Formula One has four wheels. That's two better.
2: Yeah, but you you when you watch when I was fortunate enough to go to Macau um, for the Formula Three race, and with that we were covering the World Touring Car Championship, we were covering Macau GT, which is kind of a mix between Pirelli World Challenge and United Sports Car and Le Mans. It's got a little bit of everything. It was awesome. So we were doing that, um, the F three and the motorcycles and the motorcycles. I tell you, I tell you what it is it is just truly humbling to watch these these riders throw a bike around that course it was insane they're rubbing their helmet and their shoulders against the armco and you know you can you can just whereas with cars that's the biggest difference is you can you can see so much more of the difference when a rider is truly on the limit than it is when a car is on the limit there's mm. it's so much the difference between a Caterham on the limit and a Ferrari on the limit isn't that big of a difference. The difference between a rider on the limit and a rider not on the limit is a huge difference. Wow! So it's it's a very it's a very interactive sport to photograph. You can you can see when they're really pushing. You can see the different riding styles. Um, some guys are just really leaning over the bike. Some guys are just hanging the back end out. Some of them are, you know, you can just when they're they're popping wheelies and. Um you know it, it's crazy. it's really fun to watch. I loved it
1: nice yeah i was I was checking out your pictures and just some of the little stuff you posted online from Macau. I mean seeing how close the riders get to the wall um and then you know, and actually sharing you know having on the same venue in the same weekend uh obviously you know uh, race bikes. Um, touring cars, another kind of tin top, you know, sedan-shaped cars, and all that, as well as open-wheel cars. You know, to see those in the same venue in Macau looked like a pretty crazy venue. So, um, it's crazy as far as just never, a place to shoot. It seems like a really, really cool spot and a crazy, cool backdrop to have as well.
2: It is a great backdrop, and it's it's not just one of those. It's not just a, a you know a new Tilka circuit that has no no atmosphere and flair. It's been going for as long as, as Monaco has just, just a little bit less than Monaco. This is the 61st year of the Macau Grand Prix. I did not and, know it was that old. Wow. Yeah. And, and it really hasn't changed much at all. I mean, there it's, it's still very, very dangerous. Um, thankfully nobody died here, but last year there was a motorcycle rider that died. Um, and maybe a, a, car, a GT driver that died, but they, You know, they they don't, nobody likes to talk about that stuff, but it is, it's probably one of the most dangerous circuits in the world for sure. And, and it was one of the most humbling for me because there's no, there's no safety barriers in a couple of these places. There's no catch fence. It's just you and an arm co and you're, you're right there on top of it. And if something goes bad, you're at ground zero for the worst crash that you could ever imagine.
1: Uh, wow. That's why you're not allowed to step up on any bricks or anything, though. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, Yeah.
2: There's a little pretty, inside well,
1: joke for any followers of Jamie Price.
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> more more or less, but yeah, there was I I, I you, anybody that knows me knows that I have a a love-hate relationship with the Marshals and their complete lack of common sense on, on the occasion. So,
1: <laughs> so
0: it goes. <laughs> well,
2: so it goes. Well, as, as Kimi Raikkonen says, leave me alone, I know what I'm doing.
0: Oh, yes. Those words, so powerful. and They so are
2: powerful and so true.
0: Yes. Well, uh, it's just, it, I'm so glad uh, that we were finally able to catch up again and uh, have this conversation. And uh, I do believe that even though you slept some on the plane, you've earned yourself a good night's sleep in an actual bed. Yes.
1: Yeah, I, so look, it's,
2: I greatly look forward to it.
1: You probably still have work to do, though, right now, right? Of compiling photos and doing some writing and all. I mean, it's not off season for you, is it?
2: No, but I am going to bed tonight. Okay. I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's. Uh, what time is it? It's uh, ten o'clock. 10, 10 p.m. So it's eight a.m. Um, it's like right? yeah.
1: well, who knows? It's like Thursday. It's eight, 8 a.m. in
2: Abu Dhabi, and and 11 a.m. in Hong Kong, which right. I was somewhere between. I, was, I wasn't quite yet on Abu Dhabi time, and I wasn't quite off Hong Kong time, so I was somewhere between the two.
1: Well, shoot, man, it's time for breakfast. Let's do it.
2: It's, it, is, it is time for breakfast. <laughs> Maybe I should just stay up and push through the night. Oh,
1: man. <laughs> so thank you, as always, for taking the time, and uh, we really appreciate it, and it's always good to catch up, and we can't wait to hear what you've got going on for the future.
2: Well, thank you guys. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on a couple times this season. Um, I'm a, I love F one, and and so it's it's always good to talk F one and you know the passion we have for these quiet cars with with like-minded people. Oh,
1: oh, oh, oh we made it Stop. almost! I, I
0: thought, I thought it was the whole episode. Oh man, so close though. Wow. We're making,
1: and on that bombshell i think it's time to end (laughs) so please visit funwithcars.com as always and uh, you can always email us feedback at funwithcars.com and uh, keep in touch with us on all the various social platforms and thank you as always for listening so until we hear from us next time i am jim lau
0: and i am robin warner saying f1 cars sound great <laughs> it's gonna be like, and we went a whole show without talking about the car sounds. <laughs> <laughs> wow! No, it was perfect. We could, you can't see, you can't script that kind of stuff. That's what I like.
2: here yeah. But you know what? I am, I am used to it. No, I don't like it, but I am used to it.